Welcome to the Self-Love Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Ross Rosenberg. I am the author of The Human Magnet Syndrome, The Codependent Narcissist Trap, and the creator of the Codependency Cure and Hitch Trauma Resolution Treatment Programs. If you identify with codependency, which I renamed the Self-Love Deficit Disorder, or you're caught in the crosshairs of narcissistic abuse or gaslighting, you've come to the right place. Expect the very best information that I know, whether from my own personal journey of recovery or through my 35 years of professional experience. What separates my work from others is my understanding of the origin of the problem, the solutions, and the necessity to take responsibility for one's broken picker that always points them to the dream of the soulmate, but the nightmare of the cellmate. So join my self-love recovery community and set your sights on the cure, self-love abundance. Hey there, welcome to my latest podcast. I am so excited about having Les Carter, Dr. Carter, back. I was incredibly grateful and gosh, I had a lot of fun the last time you and I talked. Was it for your podcast or YouTube video? Yeah, well, I think we did it on the podcast and and Ross, you know, I've, I've known of your work and, and uh, of course, you know, when you're on YouTube, you kind of check each other out. So that's what oh, we sure. did. And uh, it's like, that's why I wanted you on my podcast because I so appreciate the work you do. Yeah, it's it's actually uh, kind of cool. So for the listeners and or viewers, we had a conversation before we decided to press record, but we were talking about how we are working to help this larger community to grow, to heal, to understand, and how our approach is different from a lot of people's approaches. And so that, I think, is what has gotten my attention about your work. Uh, before we jump into the topic, Les, how long have you been on YouTube? Uh, did you discover I, this? I began the summer of uh, 2018. You know, and when it started talking about surviving narcissism, frankly, it was just it, it's just become more and more prominent. And it's you know, when you use that word narcissism, virtually everyone who hears it will say, oh, yeah, I know somebody yeah. in my world or I have a leader that uh, in a group that I'm in or then we look at politics or we look at right. other kind of circumstances. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. <laughs> and so I just began to talk on a real common sense basis about that. And it resonated. And it just kind of took off and, and uh, went from there. And, and so I'm, I'm going to keep speaking into the topic until I run out of things to say, which uh, may, <laughs> probably, may be a while. never. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because when I started the whole YouTube thing 11 years ago, when my first edition of my human magnet syndrome was put out, I wanted to talk about what I do. I'm a psychotherapist. I like to help people heal and overcome the problem that they have that draws them into these relations with narcissists. And I noticed that all of the videos that I did on narcissists, and this is 10, 11 years ago, they got exponentially more views than yep. the videos where I tell people what to do and not to do. And so for me, it has been this kind of yin and yang pull because I love talking about the problem, as you and I will be doing uh, today, but I also love talking about how to solve it. So when I ran across your work, I realized you are, you're the real thing, and I hope that you keep doing it until the very last day of your life. I know. Let's give you, let's give you at least a year break. <laughs> I have a father who's still alive at 94. I don't know if I'll go to 94. <laughs> So 
So do you want to introduce the topic that we were that we're planning on talking about? Well, you know, you and I were talking about how uh, this this whole thing about understanding narcissism can become so difficult when you're, let's say, in a post divorce situation and you're trying to figure out how to uh, to to parent kids. Right. In such a way that they're not going to be damaged. But then I've had so many cases where one parent uh, really wants to be fair and, uh, you know, have have the proper kind of teaching and boundaries and and all like that. And the other just will sabotage it. And and basically they uh, that that uh, less than healthy parent can bring all of the difficulty that uh, contributed to the downfall of the marriage and bring it into the uh, the co-parenting arena. And it's it's really difficult. And frankly, the greater amount of work to help smooth it out is going to be on the shoulders of the more healthy person, even though the unhealthy person is the one that really needs to do the work. And it's it's not at all an easy task. No, and and it's actually perhaps the most difficult task that the recovering codependent or what I call an SLD or self-love deficient. I want to change the word codependency to self-love deficit disorder. But whether I do or not, I'm going to stick with my terms. But it is- well, I, mo- I think you're spot on with that, self-love deficiency. Absolutely. I Thank you. I think so. This way we call it the name that it is and not some antiquated term that comes from uh, some ancient understanding of alcoholism and a partner of alcoholism. I have, from the very beginning, understood the interaction of the needs of the narcissist, um, although pathological, and the needs of a recovering SLD when they break up. In fact, I just submitted an article, which is really part of my new upcoming book, where it says the 15 strategies narcissists do when ending a relationship. And so let's share what we know so we can help others either prepare, which is my approach, my strategy, if if I'm given an opportunity, or survive. Let's first talk about the terms, parental alienation. Let's kind of define that and the other terms that you and I talked about. So why don't you start that off there? And and I'll I'll chime in. Well, and by the way, um, there's uh, there are a couple of books uh, that would be very interesting for people. One is called Divorce Poison, and then um, and that's a gold standard book. And then another Divorce one is uh, Judith Wallerstein, uh, Second Chances, and uh, she did like 25 years of follow up study with children of divorce. Right. And uh, one of the things that they found is that uh, you can have a certain percentage of parents who are post-divorce who make it their task to train the children to hate the other parent in the same way they do. Now, they won't say it like that, but that's the the net result. And, for example, I've had cases where, let's suppose you have a 13-year-old child that's visiting dad, and then dad gives that child a gift. And so the child goes back to mom's house and um, the gift is um, confiscated. It's like, we don't need that here. Or you already have one of those. And and little things like that. Or uh, these days, uh, you know, things like uh, having a cell phone 
or how much time you spend on the computer. And exactly. uh, there's there's no effort whatsoever to coordinate. It's like, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you the way it's supposed to be. And if that other parent won't coordinate with me, then they're an idiot and you need to uh, you need to know how terrible they are. And and, and it's it's uh, terribly devastating because the only person in that equation that's really going to be damaged is, is not mom and it's not dad. It's going to be the kid. Yeah. But narcissists, uh, I, 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 when you talk about having self-love deficiency, I yeah. actually have um, have spoken about narcissism as being the absence of love. Interesting. And uh, th- that's that, that's a succinct um, definition that I have. Or another is narcissism can be defined as the uh, the loss of integrity. Interesting. And uh, it can play out in uh, the the way we parent. And so many times, rather than mom and dad uh, saying, okay, our marriage didn't work out, I understand. And and by the way, there are times when it's reasonable to go ahead and get a divorce, not because divorce is wonderful, but sometimes marriages can be dysfunctional enough where we don't need to to perpetuate it. Uh, I think we need to be judicious. But, you know, uh, mom and dad at that point would need to say, uh, why don't we uh, at, at the very least, uh, as we split, let's make this as um, as uh, beneficial to the kid as we possibody can. And uh, even mm-hmm. though we may differ, let's show honor and regard toward yeah. the other parent to the child because that's going to benefit the child. And uh, they're, they're actually, I mean, Judith Wallerstein actually shows that when you do that, uh, then uh, you can have good results. Perhaps about a third of them, uh, based on her research, are going to be damaged because the parents just simply can't go that path. There's so many things you said that are so important. First, the term parental alienation. To understand it, you have to understand the, the inner workings of a narcissist. You know, as as we know, they have a personality disorder. So when there is a divorce there is what I call the supreme mother of all narcissistic injuries. If you stand up to disagree, set a boundary, a narcissist has a narcissistic injury, which is a um, reflexive rage response that requires the narcissist to punish the person, whether they realize it or not. So if the divorce is the mother of all narcissistic injuries and the narcissist is unable to take responsibility vis-a-vis their personality disorder, then they are going to feel righteous and empowered to punish their spouse, their partner. And through this rage and this narcissistic injury, they are going to execute sometimes systemically, sometimes reactively, this plan to punish them. And the best way to do that is to claim ownership of the children and to understand why they can destroy the children in the process is because at the core of all pathological narcissists, and my belief is this fury of rage and shame born out of their childhood experiences. So this rage and fury that they're not connecting to is directing them to punish the person that they believe is hurting them to gain ownership of the objects, <laughs> their children. Well, and I'm, I'm tracking with you, Ross. Uh, well, one of the things that um, that I, I, a starting point that I have is I try to understand narcissists is they're, they're people in a lot of pain. 
Mm -hmm. uh, just as you said, they they started out early on in life having to to gauge, you know, their authorities and peer group. If I say this, am I going to get in trouble? Uh, if if you find out these things about me, are you going to judge me? And so when we talk about shame and guilt and fear, yeah. it, it all comes from them being exposed at a very um, vulnerable age to a whole lot of conditional acceptance, a lot of that condescension and uh, and, you know, problems are, are not solved in a clean and logical kind of way. And so they bring the pain that's associated with that into their adult years. And then, like you say, when a divorce happens, they're still in pain and the divorce is a painful situation. And so that's what informs the way that they engage with people. Yes. Uh, whereas uh, when we try to in, uh, help our children, one of the things we want to do is we want to think, wait a minute, I remember what it was like when I was a child. And, uh, and I know that I wanted to be treated with regard and I wanted somebody to say, what do you think? Or at least uh, yeah. give consideration or empathy to what I was feeling. Narcissists, the pain is so strong and their shame and their fear and their dysfunction is just so self-defining that they're not able to go into that space. The child is the one that's going to be uh, the recipient of the, the brainwashing that goes along with all of their internal uh, turmoil. So the pain that you're talking about, um, I look at it from more of an attachment psychodynamic point of view is that, you know, children, uh, all advanced mammals require safety, nurturing, attention yes. um, in order to develop normally. And a human needs unconditional love, safety, and all that. And if they do, they they become healthy, healthy as they survive and flourish in their life. But the child who is from a narcissistic parent they disappointed that parent, whereas the child who's going to be a future codependent or SLD found a way to get the attention of the narcissist and make the, uh, the narcissist want them to make them feel better. So long story short, the adult narcissist experienced such incredible trauma, neglect, abandonment, abuse, the bad seed, um, they could never make the narcissist happy. And so their experience was so egregiously traumatic that the brain, the mind disassociated it just like CPTSD or, right. and so they're not aware of what you are talking about and what um, you're spot on. They have so much anger and rage and shame, but they cannot get to it because it's disassociated, which is why they have a narcissistic personality disorder. So in these spot divorces on. is that this rage, this anger, is born from my point of view out of shame and self-hate that they can never connect to. And so they project it. And you've talked about it. I've talked about projection. They put all of the, the, the self-anger, self-hate onto other people and feel justified. And they'll never know where it comes from. As you're talking, I'm thinking, you know what you just said, but they can't go into that space with insight um, because it's too, it's, it's just not accessible to them. Uh, and, you and use the term uh, self-hate. I, I use the term self-loathing. Um, and, and most of them will say, I don't loathe myself. It's exactly. like, yeah, you do. Um, basically, you're so afraid 
of people finding out that you're flawed or you're imperfect. It's like, no, I can't let other people know that about me. I'm so afraid of that. I'm so ashamed of the negative side. But what they'll do is they'll uh, they'll flip it around and say, no, it's not my problem. It's you people out there that are so judgmental. Right. Exactly. And so they they and uh, we we have the term it's projection. They see in you what they can't come to terms with inside themselves. And so that's what we really have going on here. Yeah. And so if you're the healthy parent, one of the things that you can do is you can think, well, what I need to do is I need to make that narcissistic uh, parent uh, who's now I'm trying to co-parent with, I need to get them to see the light. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah, they are activated. They cannot see the light. First of all, they can never see the light unless the light is um, is their light <laughs> or it's their yeah. lamp. And so they are so activated, there's abandonment, there's shame, there's self-hatred that they can't access, but all they can do is pour it out on someone else. And that, in my point of view, explains how someone who actually believes they love their children can destroy their mental health. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Ross, I, I know you could, I, I can give you scores of, of uh, illustrations about oh, how yeah. that plays out. It breaks my heart. And then when the uh, the more healthy, the alienated parent uh, comes to the counseling office and says, how am I going to manage this? Uh, it's like, well, uh, what you can't do is you can't control someone who who has no insight. They're just going to they're just kind of like the old the proverbial bull in the china shop. Right. Uh, so what you can do is when you have your moments of influence, you, uh, you illustrate what healthiness looks like. Right. And sometimes it, it works out. Other times the, uh, alienating parent is so quote successful in, uh, in building that wall, yeah. uh, between, uh, yourself and the child that, uh, that you're somewhat limited. And that's what makes this such an insidious kind of a situation when the child thinks, I can't show loyalty to my other parent okay. because this narcissistic parent is going to get mad. And so they, uh, the trail, they wind yeah. up uh, just uh, being guarded around the healthy parent. They wind up making excuses on behalf of the unhealthy parent. And it's like yeah. to, to that child, sweetheart, you don't have to do that. Or son, it's not necessary, but the uh, the narcissistic parent says no you you need to show your complete loyalty to me oh. and anything beyond that is is going to bring shame onto you and that's where you just mentioned they project onto the child and they they breathe into the child the very thing that uh, took them into the wrong direction there's all, so many different starting points that a client comes to you who is a um, a parent and a victim of parental alienation syndrome one is the healthy parent, which I don't get, which is great because I work on the ones that are codependent or SLD. But the SLD, the codependent, many of them have been gaslit. And very, very succinctly, gaslighting is a systematic strategy to make a person think that something is wrong with them when there wasn't that in the beginning, or it was only in mild proportions. If you believe or understand that Narcissists survive in the relationships, um, of course, by manipulation and and everything that we know about narcissism, but by gaslighting, by making people believe things that aren't true. And that is an essential concept to understand 
if there is a child who has a really good solid attachment to the SLD parent and the narcissistic parent starts to try to gaslight them or demean or, or alienate them, it's a different scenario versus what I see as the more typical type of child who has never gotten the love, respect, and caring from this narcissistic parent who all of a sudden claims that they do and wants to, and the other one doesn't. If they have been around gaslighting, if they have been gaslit, it means their reality has already shifted towards the type of thinking of the narcissist. And these are the ones that grow up and come see us. And so these children are even more susceptible to it. And let's say one of our clients breaks through this and gets help from you, me, or someone else on gaslighting and self-love deficit disorder and decides to divorce that person. The children are more susceptible to the gaslighting, um, the parental alienation, which is manipulation, lying, triangulation, everything that um, we can talk about later. And that's the point I... that I think is important to explain that this is not as simple as what the narcissist is doing in order to hurt the partner because of the narcissistic injury, but they've already more than likely started a campaign of gaslighting and these children are already susceptible. But uh, what do you think of the connection of parental alienation and gaslighting? What are your thoughts about that? Uh, Well, I, I think you're spot on. My definition of it is is uh, incredibly parallel with what yours is. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, the uh, it's in the I, I hate to put it this way the vested interest of the narcissist because they, of course, they yeah. must yeah. be in control. They must be in the superior position. It's in their vested interest to get the child to uh, doubt anything other than what that narcissist says, and so it, they just kind of do it like first nature. Uh, exactly. For example, if um, uh, let, let's say a uh, uh, the mother who has alienated the father uh, is ju- just wants that child to, to to hate the father, and then if the child says, "Well, uh, Dad and I went and did such and such, and we had a really good time, and we met some of his friends, and, and uh, I met some other uh, kids, and it, it really went well." Mom, rather than saying, wow, that was really good. Well, tell me about, you know, what, you know, how your dad reacted and uh, what was it like? Who were the friends and what did you do? Uh, That would be healthy. Uh, That narcissistic parent, it's like, well, uh, I I don't have any idea who those people are. Uh, They're going to have a narcissistic injury and feel like they're threatened. Therefore, take the position you're talking about. And so somehow they have to diminish it. Yes. Now th- that's one little bitty small illustration, but then take that and um, and multiply it by literally a thousand. Uh, hmm. There can be uh, repetitive comments to that effect, and so finally the the kid thinks, well, you know, mom seems to get mad every time I say something positive right. about dad, or it could be the the opposite. By the way, I'm not um, picking one over the other. Uh, and so I've got to be more guarded myself then. Yeah. And so the child learns the shame and uh, learns to, to filter, uh, who they are and what they think through the, uh, through the unhealthy parent. A quick story. I remember when I was eight years old and I can, it's a trauma. So I can remember almost everything. Um, my parents talked about divorce and they brought us right in the middle. My dad did, of course, the narcissist. And he says, which one, who do you want to live with? 
and it makes sense. <laughs> and the kids thinking, oh, <laughs> yeah, what the? F and there was a litmus test at that point. the The child who was going to be an adult codependent said, which was me. I felt sorry. For, I wanted to live with my dad because I always wanted to get the love I couldn't get, but I felt sorry for my mom. So I said, "Mom." And the other three kids said, "Dad." Actually, my brother wasn't my wasn't born yet. So. If we look at the children in future tense, I was on a track, of course, I didn't know, of being and developing developmentally into an SLD or codependent. And some of my siblings, they were on the track of being a narcissist. So these children already have a personality type that makes them vulnerable to parental alienation, which is why in a, in a family of, say, three, four, whatever, not all kids get sucked into it. But the children who have never been the good child, uh, the, the, the preferred child, the, the trophy child, they are the ones that are most susceptible to parental alienation. And if we fast forward to them as an adult, they then are going to replicate the next generation. They're going to probably be the next um, narcissist. Well. And just like their parent, that narcissistic yeah. parent probably was in their earlier years, and it just becomes a generational pattern. You're exactly right. Let's talk about what do we do? As much as the problem is horrendously difficult, there are solutions. There might not be cures and complete fixes. I wish there was a way to give a pill to a narcissist who then will actually have empathy and be reasonable, but unless, yeah, unless you nice? know, yeah. But so what is your perspective or point of view on the on the intervention level of this problem? Well, let's remind ourselves the best way to teach anything is via modeling. Mm -hmm. And so let, let's suppose you have that narcissistic parent who uh, does make snarky comments or uh, kind of coils up when the other parent is mentioned. Yeah. Uh, if you're trying to uh, to present the the healthier alternative, what you want to do is first you want to ask, how do I come across? Right. Do I come across as controlling or threatened or right. uh, defensive yeah. or angry, or am I able to project a sense of peace or confidence? Right. And it's not phony. It's like I really do believe in the legitimacy of me being me. And right. so uh, your demeanor is by far and away the the number one tool that you have to use to uh, to counteract the the narcissistic alienation. Right. Uh, and then beyond that, I do think, and, and you have to be real delicate about this. I do think that it's fair for that healthy parent to sit down with the kids and talk at whatever age level they are about the differences between yourself and the other parent. Right. And uh, for example, um, uh, let's suppose that um, you're a mother and the father, as you kind of mentioned, uh, is real bossy and overbearing and uh, it's my way or the highway. Right. Well, that mother who's trying to present the healthier alternative can, can say something like, you know, there are times when your dad and I don't agree. And that's part of the reason that we got divorced. Uh, why don't we just agree uh, between you and me when when we're talking with each other? Let's let's um, put a high premium on listening to one another. Yeah. 
And uh, I want to hear what you have to say. And I hope you can hear what I have to say at your uh, dad's house. It may be a little bit different, uh, but that's, that's the way I want to manage it with you. And, and you're trying to present yourself as other without being too disparaging uh, to the other parent. You're just simply right. saying, you know, we just do things differently here. And, and so, and the, of course, as they age, you can be a little bit more particular about what your values and principles are. But uh, I, I think you want to speak up, but in such a way that uh, doesn't have ins insult attached right. to it. So what I want to add to that is it's another perspective that that matches up with yours. I was telling you, I love to come up with terms. And one of the terms that is essential to my self-love recovery treatment program is to build predictive awareness. Love it. Before you do anything, like talk about a divorce, talk about the separation, you have to first know what is SLD? What is a codependent? Why have you fallen susceptible where does it come from? Everything that is about self-responsibility. And then yes. what is the narcissist? And then, of course, the human magnet syndrome, which is my thesis from my book. Why did you stay together and why did you lose this and et cetera? Then to be able to predict, how will this play out? Because if we know enough, we can predict it. Then execute preliminary stages so that when you do say, I want a divorce, the children have either been unknowingly or knowingly prepped or primed so that you have a fighting chance. Because even yeah. with everything they know and everything they can predict and all of the advanced preparations, which one of them could be, as you said, talking with the children and it still is a crapshoot. But if we've done our job well with predictive awareness, we'll predict that. And so what I want to say, and then I want to turn it back over to you, is that before you consider doing anything that Les says or anything that I say is do the homework so you can figure out what to do strategically because once you hit that storm, the shit hits the fan. Well, uh, a favorite phrase of mine is knowledge is power. That's yes. what I'm hearing you say. Yes. Uh, you you want to have an, an, enough of an insight into the whole pattern of narcissism. And one of the things I like to do on my YouTube channel is I like to talk about all sorts of uh, nuances right. and uh, hidden kinds of um, uh, aspects of narcissism that you might not see right on the surface. And so it's necessary for you to know what you're dealing with. And then, at least for me, my thing is, so that being the case, if I can see it, what would be my better alternative? Right. As a simple illustration, narcissists are known for being highly controlling. And that's part of that uh, codependent self-love yeah. deficiency. Yeah. If I can control you, then I, I win. Well, the opposite of that is uh, to allow space for free choice, at least with between me and that child. Uh, I'll ask the child questions. Well, what do you think? Mm -hmm. or uh, what makes sense to you, or why don't we brainstorm and take a look at the options, the good and the bad options, and figure out what the consequences of each of those would be. Uh, and so you can lean into that. Or uh, another thing, uh, narcissism is known as, as having a lack of empathy. Okay, my better alternative is I want you to know that when you're in my presence, I really want to know who you are from your vantage point. 
And even if you don't make sense to me, well, you make sense to yourself right now. So tell me how you arrived at that or uh, talk to me about uh, what led you to that conclusion or, wow, that uh, that's more powerful than I thought. Um, tell me more. And, and so you, you want to just uh, have an awareness of what the themes of narcissism are so that you can uh, go into the modeling of the cleaner alternatives. That's how you if possible, break uh, some of the power of that unhealthy um, yes, uh, parenting absolutely. on the other side. And it's the modeling that I mentioned a few minutes ago. And so add to the modeling is to move from victim, co-conspirator. See, one of the things yes. that I, I do differently than a lot of um, my colleagues out on the internet is I, with empathy and support and firsthand knowledge, hold the SLDs responsible um, even though they're victims also, um, because they gave up power. But I don't do that to shame them, but I do that to help them understand what we need to change so that they can forgive themselves. You, you may be the A victim, but you don't have to be the victim, capital T, capital V. Oh, to, to explain, um, explain so, that more. That sounds profound. Just Well, you know, it, 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 let, let's suppose that you were in a marriage and the, yeah. uh, the narcissist was just brutal. Yeah. Uh, well, you were victimized. Right. Uh, now, uh, so you're a victim. Uh, when I say you're the victim, well, it becomes your identity. Uh, and it's like, okay, my victimization is not going to be everything that, that I uh, relate to. I, I'm still a decent person. I'm still somebody who has some positive characteristics. I, I have, you know, a pleasantness that I can uh, share. And so I, I have some initiatives that I can operate with. And what happened to me in that narcissistic relationship isn't the sum total about who I am. Right. That's something for me to think about. But before you said that and caught my interest, I was going to say, um, as a part of my predictive awareness process or preparing for the storm, is to understand if the insidious nature of gaslighting and manipulation and what we've talked about before is already set. And the kids have drank the poison, they're brainwashed, as difficult as it is, but to help my client understand when you have to stop. And again, this might seem counterproductive and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. When you have to stop hoping to convince the child and be more assertive to do things that are going to upset the child and in present time could make you believe that you are hurting yourself. You have to battle the fear that your child's going to hate you. Uh, but knowing that this child, like a lot of um, healthy parents, knowing that you can punish a child and they can, especially a teenager, and they might say, I don't love you and I hate you, but know that the next day they're going to smile and forget about it. But in a, in, yeah. a, in a larger sense, know that this bad guy position that you're being labeled it could be the best thing that you've done, even if it means the child won't talk to you. Taking an unpopular. Exactly. My my presumption is that I don't take my cues from a, a narcissistic person. Um, that person does not set my pace. And kind of what you were suggesting there uh, with respect to the way you talk to the uh, to the kids. Yeah, it's like I'm just what I'm going to do is I'm going to try as best I can to speak my truth. I'm going to show you by illustration, by example, and modeling 
what cleanness looks like. And, and when we disagree, uh, notice my tone of voice. I'm not going to yeah. be harsh. I'm not going right. to be mean. I'm not going to be condescending, but I can have calm firmness. And I'm going to, I'm going to do all that I know to present the, uh, the better alternative. And, and then as the child is older, whether we're talking about 15 or 28 or yeah. 37, uh, then we'll, we'll expand our discussions. The mindset that you said, I have a similar one and I, I do this exercise. Um, I did it when my son was eight or nine is I pretended that he's 30. He's in therapy because by time 30, they're going to sort through this stuff. What is he going to talk about in therapy about his childhood? And yep. that exercise. What, what kind of material am I giving that kid to work with? Yeah. So that exercise puts you into a frame of mind where you're matching the child and a grown adult. And it always has produced confidence for me that he might not agree with what I'm doing. He might not recognize what I'm doing. But at age 30, when he is going to talk that 30 about year old self may look back mother, he's going to talk about, well, dad, and that always kept me grounded. And yeah. when I felt insecure, Love it. so, so you were saying, I just didn't want to forget that. So sorry for interrupting. Yeah. And, and basically what, what I'm saying is uh, the earlier you can uh, establish yourself as being a model of decency, yeah. then as you're suggesting, as the years go by, your credibility rating remains a uh, much higher. I wish I knew this more when uh, years ago, but I asked anyone who's listening, who's experiencing these problems, or if they're using predictive awareness, know, it knows it's going to happen, is to just trust that <laughs> this might be heretical and everyone's going to go, what? But nothing, nothing that less or I am teaching you will work if your foundation is that of self-love deficiency or self-love deficit disorder that's filled with core shame, terrified of pathological loneliness, has this unbearable addiction to a relationship, which means it glues you to this. And yeah. that all of what we have said and want to say requires you to heal yourself. And using the, the airplane analogy is if you're flying on a plane, they say, put the mask on yourself first for your children, yeah. because you're no good if you should pass out. Well, everything that we want to say and more, believe us, <laughs> or at least think about it. Cause we, well, I, to me, that's a good way to yourself. end here today. Cause I, I, I think you're so spot on and uh, you, you've got to be coming from your own place of inner peace. Yes, yes, yes. And none of us have perfectly arrived at that, by the way, but uh, kids know. Yes. Uh, if you're at least working on it and uh, kids can respect it. And so spot on. Yeah. And so if one of the parent is a narcissist, so that makes us, then if we like mess up, have our moments of rationality, we can say, we're sorry hug, you know, do whatever we do. And if we did our jobs right, the kids will forgive us. So yeah, there's, there's plenty of room for making mistakes because if you love yourself and you are, as you said brilliantly, pr present as this role model, that could be the most potent defense to parental alienation. So yeah. I have so many more ideas for the next topic, but I'd like to suggest, at least for my community, is 
to write in your comments about what should we talk about next. We'll uh, we'll continue with this because, you know, one of the things that uh, makes me feel good about the kind of work that I do is if I know that I've been at least um, a party to helping individuals see the patterns in uh, the generational patterns and then be mm-hmm. the one to break it. And right. so that's what we're talking about here. Don't stop what you're doing. Um, you are the yep. real thing. And to anyone listening or watching this, go to YouTube, go to his podcast. But he also has a host of books. And if you think his wisdom and his knowledge is something to admire, check those books out. For any of you guys that are just getting to know me, all of my stuff, stuff, including my book, my seminar trainings, and other offerings can be seen at selfloverecovery.com. Or send us an email yeah. at help at selfloverecovery.com. Thank you, Doc. Ross, thanks for having me. And uh, we're going to do it again, okay? We'll, yeah. We got lots more to say. Yes, I enjoyed it. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Building a self-love recovery community means the world to me. Spread the word. Let people know what we're talking about. And until we meet next, I'd like to leave you my favorite of all sayings by George Eliot. It's never too late to be what you might have been. Don't forget that. Our future is in our hands, despite what anyone has told you before. You can be the self-love abundant person you've always dreamt of. It's your birthright.